You got nothing? I've been busy. I worked my ass off all week. Kind of. Kind of. Like, define working your ass off. You sit on a chair and count pills. I don't sit, period, the whole day. They don't let you sit? The only time I'm not standing is when I take a knee to give a flu shot because the chair comes up to about my shin. Wait, wait, wait. I think we just struck gold here. People trust you sticking needles in other people? I'm the best one in there. Like, do you have to go take a training in order to give a flu shot? Well, see, most people, they get kind of antsy and nervous about it. and They like wiggle and like, oh, God, I got to poke this person. What if it hurts them? What if they get upset? Like, no, they call it a shot for a reason. It's like tequila. Just throw it and go. So do you give them a lime after? No, just a wink. Everyone, my name is John Edwards, and with me, as always, is Doctor Zeke Baker, and together we make the Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. Did work say anything to you about the mustache yet? I mean, half the people don't even know it. You were a mask the whole day. You bring up a great point. So they haven't even seen the mustache. Like these people don't even know that you look super dirty right now. Probably like a third of the staff have seen me like either going or coming in from a shift. They're like, oh. Well, how long has that been there? I'm like months. Like when I see you with that mustache, I expect that you're going to have denim on the top and denim on the bottom. No Canadian tuxedos, bud. That's a Georgia tuxedo too. Or, or is it flannel in Georgia? I mean, everybody that we know from Georgia wears a lot of flannel. Like You wear a lot of flannel. Well, it's comfortable. <laughs> Might as well call it a moped. It has been a long time since we've had an interview. I'm really sick of just talking to you. I, I should mention, I still take umbrage with your Chattanooga whiskey review because you blew your nose like 20 times. The allergies hit Nashville. You're blowing your nose. You're like, my nose is all stuffed up. I had to blow it 20 times in order to be able to smell anything. And then you go, well, I can't taste anything on this whiskey. Well, no shit, dumbass. You're- I could taste it. And I said that I like the nose more than anything. I said the taste didn't match. I still think it's suspect because you're broken schnoz there. I mean, it's no different than you drinking three coffees and going to pick a barrel. Hey, that only happened once. I didn't even drink coffee before we went to Buffalo Trace, and I left my house at four in the damn morning. That's not confirmed yet. Nobody was with you. I gave you my scout's honor, and you heard Eagle Scout. That is something that I respect. I respect your Eagle Scoutness. You couldn't hold up scout's honor if you had to. Which hand? Er, wrong. Live long and prosper. My friend, today's show is sponsored by CassCartel.com, changing the industry standard as to how you get your alcohol. They are like the Amazon of the spirits industry. What you do is you sit on the couch, you're lazy like Zeke, you want to get whiskey shipped directly to your door. You can use your phone, you can bring out your computer, you can find whiskey, gin, vodka, tequila, Amaro, whatever it is, get it shipped directly to your door with CassCartel.com. Obviously, it is an online retailer. The allocated stuff is going to cost more. That's just a fact of life. It's because you don't have to make friends with store owners. You don't have to wait in a raffle. You don't have to camp out overnight. So it's going to cost a little bit more, but it's convenient. You could be lazy like Zeke, but if you have the money, it's there for you. The daily drinkers are going to be right on par 
with what you would in the shop down the street. You want some wood for reserve? Go to Cast Cartel and get it. You want some wood for double oaked? I bet they have that too. Why do I keep talking about Woodford? Because we have people from Woodford on the show tonight. Also go to Instagram and go to at Cast Cartel. They also do awesome giveaways to all of their followers. Anyways, let's segue over. We have two very, very special guests. Angie, we see everywhere in Nashville. She's at all the best events, mixing up stuff with bartenders. And Megan, so we have Angie Lunsford, uh, Megan Huckabee from Brown Foreman, Woodford Reserve on the show with us tonight. Let's start with Angie. Introduce yourself. Tell everybody what you do. Hi. Like you said, I'm usually out and about doing everything I can to promote Woodford Reserve and all of our Brown Foreman whiskeys, and more importantly, really trying to connect with the bartending community in Nashville and actually in Chattanooga and Memphis as well. So most of my time is really spent, you know, working with these bartenders, developing cocktail recipes, getting things in print. So we have that sort of nod to the brands all over town and really kind of bringing people into the fold. I know you've been to a couple of my events. Manhattan Experience is our biggest one every year. And I haven't seen Zeke there yet. I, I don't know if his invitation got lost in the mail. I'm not sure about that. No, he got it. He got it. He just uh, was too cool for school and he missed. Ah. He missed an amazing event. I mean, Zach did awesome there. Uh, Sarah Turbot was there. So many good bartenders. Zane from 404 Kitchen was over there. Nashville has so many good bartenders, and I love the events because you get to showcase them, and there's always kind of one traditional drink. So, like, you're going to make this Manhattan or you're going to make this old-fashioned. But then there's another drink where it's, what do you want to make? Sarah made one. I think it had milk in it one year that was like super good. It surprised the heck out of you. Yeah. Milk punch is a whole new category. It's like a new category. That's an old category that's been reinvented. But yeah, these guys are amazing. And it's a little disheartening every year because we have to make this very small group of bartenders to compete against each other. And you have to only take the top 10 contestants or the top eight or however many we determine to take, but you see some of the best of the best of the best in the city. And you're like, Oh my God, they're number 11. And I can't have that awesome person involved this year because, you know, they really become a part of your family and a part of your tight knit community that you want to always make sure that you're promoting them and supporting them. So We've been really lucky, really lucky in Nashville. We've seen John Howard go on and compete in Manhattan and win the whole entire category for the best Manhattan from Nashville. And then, like you said, Zach Helton went a couple of years ago last year. So I have just ridden the coattails of these extremely talented bartenders that spend all of their time really creating and honing their skills and taking us all to a different level of mixology that I can't do at home. So it's, it's amazing. And shout out to Zach for going on and uh, staying with Brown Foreman and go down Jack Daniels. Exactly. I'm really proud of him. It takes a, a special kind of person to just figure out what it is that you want to do in life and figure out how to get there, you know, and for him, a big part of that was competing and being around like-minded people. And I'll always say, Steel sharpens steel. So if you're kind of playing in the sandbox really nice next to your competitors 
and you're also kind of seeing what they're doing over there and figuring out what, what skills they have that are a little bit more challenged than what you're able to bring to the table, then, you know, you got to leg up on the competition. So kudos for him. I'm super proud of him. Gosh, I don't know what to say about Manhattan experience, but I, I understand Nashville is unlike any other competition when it comes to, we lovingly call it Manx. But, um, you know, this is done in multiple countries now. It's like a global competition. It's not just 25 or 30 different markets. So Nashville, I think, brings it to a whole other level where we're really involving the community and inviting like key players and not just folks like you who are extremely important to us when it comes to media outlets and influencing people, but also just the everyday consumer. You know, we really want people to come in and see what you can do in the mixology world and promote those bartenders. But then I hear from the other competitors when I, when I, you know, send people off to regionals or send people off to the grand finales and they come back, they're like, no, it's not the party like you throw, Angie. It's not that much fun. So at the end of the day, most of those people have been there since about two in the afternoon. We're winding things down at like nine o'clock at night and they're ready. You know, they're ready to have a cocktail for themselves and have a good time. Well, let me change gears because that was the longest introduction I think I've ever had. And I feel <laughs> bad for Megan, who has been sitting here so patiently that she's now put herself on mute. So Megan, tell everybody what you do. No worries. First of all, Zeke, don't listen to John. The, the stash, like you're you're channeling your inner taste rice. I like it. It looks good. <laughs> Thank you very much. He would much rather channel his inner kid rock than chase rice. Oh, sorry. Okay. Well, I'm thinking chase rice. Also a friend of the brand. But um, so yeah, I'm Megan Huckabee. I'm the field marketing manager um, for the Southeast. So really kind of the bridge between the brand team and the field team like Angie and helping kind of bring all these activations to life like Derby and uh, Manhattan Experience and just really kind of the strategy behind the brand. And I get paid to do fun shit. It's awesome. <laughs> and drink bourbon. You can't beat that. <laughs> So speaking of fun shit, what do you think the chances are for like a Chase Rice Dad's Drinking Bourbon collab pick? We could make that happen. Find some retailers in Nashville. You know, Angie, you could spread the love across some different stores, but we could get like a DDB Chase Rice pick. That'd be awesome. You two would have to be there, though. That would be part I'm of the fun. I need up. We're sure. All day long. We can switch between Jack and Woodford like all night. I'm down. <laughs> well i mean if you want to hook up like a chase rice pick with woodford we'll do an eric church pick with jack there you go i'm down for that for sure so what's the most fun thing so you get to do all this fun shit what's the most fun speaking of manhattan experience have you ever tried to judge one of those you have to drink a lot of water and eat a lot of food <laughs> it's a lot of tasting, uh, but it's so fun to see the creativity. I would say the other best thing was I got to go to Derby for the first time last year. And I had this epic hat that literally had a mint julep cup, like a Woodford mint julep cup and all these roses on my head. So much so that I got to walk the red carpet and was named Forbes top 10 best dress. And it was amazing. <laughs> it was just the best experience and getting to see our assistant master taster do the cheers on the side of the track, like literally couldn't have done it better. I mean, I didn't experience the infield, can't compare it to that, but it was awesome. 
So Angie and I were talking about this earlier because I have Zeke. Have you ever been to the Derby? You wouldn't enjoy it. Couple different things. Like I remember, I was a sophomore in college, and it was raining. The Derby infield was just crazy. Flash forward to I used to do the horse racing radio network, so we did the broadcast of the Derby. I never got to do the red carpet or all that fun stuff. I was on a booth near the press box, kind of up away from everybody. So, you know, we would have some people on, the celebs would come by and we would get them on like the shows that we did up to the Derby that week, but never experienced that side i've been in the paddock during the derby while they're doing riders up and never actually got to like really enjoy the party outside of just getting drunk in the infield which i don't feel like that's a fair thing for me i have to go enjoy the derby and like have a fun time one year Agree. It sounds like you've gotten two totally different experiences. There's you can't be at a press box because you've got a great view. You're talking to some cool people. Loved time in press box, but I've never experienced the infield, but I've heard so many stories. I think we're gonna have to bring you and you're just gonna have to experience it the right way. Responsible but fun drinking, you know, red carpet, uh all all the good stuff and the greatest food. I mean the best food. When it comes to horse racing, Arlington has amazing food keeneland has really really good barbecue zeke's laughing because as as the big guy i would know what the press box food you know for all you people in lexington rup arena not the best food it's a lot of hamburgers and hot dogs cooked in water uh you know in the in the big serving trays so if you're doing a uk basketball game it's not always the best food I used to intern with the Buffalo Sabres and we would be in the press box. And I tell you, they had the best cookies, like the best cookies. That is a weird thing with press boxes because the cookies are always good. And the, the chess squares at Churchill Downs are amazing. So good. Best cocktails, best cookies. Can't beat it. Welcome to Dad's Eating Food and Press Boxes. Sounds like a lot of cheat days coming up, Edwards. No, that was a lot of cheat days in the past, which is why there's no <laughs> days off now. <laughs> so, Zeke, Megan works out a lot. Megan is a big proponent of the no days off philosophy, just like I am. Well, she looks like she works out. You don't. <laughs> Where's the spoon? I think it's a spoon, Mama. There you go. <laughs> I, I have more than a spoon for Zeke. I'll tell you that. I work out so I can drink bourbon. That's the important thing. And eat all the good press box food. It's only one Saturday a year, honestly. For all the derbies that I ever went to, I never had a test square. I didn't know there was such a thing because in the infield, it's, there's no delicious cookies. It's just debauchery. <laughs> I just decided, I decided when I was about 24, I believe I'd, been six years in a row that that was it. I couldn't, I couldn't no longer stomach the infield and uh, didn't go back to the Derby until 2012 when we had like grown up seats and got to sit, you know, with all the pretty people and stand in line for pretty cocktails. And then totally separate experience went in 2014 as a guest of Brown Foreman and honestly, I was like, am I a princess? I didn't realize that royalty was treated this way. We were literally ushered in with like 
you know, a beautiful big bus full of people. We had box lunches and like just little children throwing roses at our feet. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But it was, it just felt like that. You know, every time you look, there you go. Oh my God. Speaking of princesses, look at, look at, the, I, look at our girl. I'm not <laughs> trying to interrupt you, but this is a great picture of Megan on Forbes. She wasn't <laughs> lying. It's there. My little work pin, my little Woodford pin on my dress. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That hat is great. A local girl made it. Finchy Derby hats, Finchy baby hats or something. And I saw it and I was like, I have to have it. So is that the $1,000 mint julep cup in your hair or is that a... No, I wish. Uh, I did do the $1,000 mint julep experience though. Also amazing. But that was just a regular julep cup. So what's that like for people that don't know? Yeah. So every year they do the $1,000 mint julep and you buy a cup and the $1,000 goes to charity and you get taken into this little pavilion thing and they make a different julep every year. So last year, the syrup was aged in the spires. It was aged for 145 days because it's the 145th Kentucky Derby. And so they brought that in and Chris, uh, Morris, the master distillers on site, he helps you make it and you get to take a picture with them and you get this really beautiful silver and gold cup. And I mean, it, it was pretty awesome. I mean, you kind of feel like you're elite, even though you're really not, you're just the peons, but you know, it was for charity. So we did it and it, it was so much fun once in a lifetime. That's awesome. So I feel like we've now got to know both of you a little bit better. Zeke, do you want to get to know them more? Is there anything you want to know about these two awesome women that are on our show? I have some questions, but I think they'd be more appropriate later on. All right. We'll just let you hang out for a minute. I'm writing and thinking as things go on. I've got a couple of things I'm, I'm conjuring up. Let's talk about Woodford in and of itself, because, you know, Woodford is in Versailles, past Keeneland. You go past the Kentucky Castle. There's a random horse farm. And you just got to make sure you know that when there's the break in the fence, you turn left, you go on this road that you feel like you're going to fall off every single time you're on it. I mean, like the, the road is cracking on one side and there's a little bit of a steep drop. And then you come up and you turn left. The gift shop is this awesome white building. And then you have the old stone of the LeBro and Graham distillery. Yeah, I feel like, well, you're talking about McCracken Pike. Um, turning off of that major highway there. And for me, it's not just the narrowness of the road and navigating that, but the fact that you are literally on a thoroughbred farm on both sides of the road and you're just surrounded by beauty and horses, you know, all these foals running around. And I, I just, I'm taking all of that in and you're on a very narrow road. So I, I've literally nearly my car a couple of times taking people over to do barrel selections and I'm like okay well you know what we'll do the photo ops after the barrel selection but I always feel like when I go to Woodford even after having experienced it dozens of times that I've just stepped back in time there's so much preservation there you talked about our beautiful old Rick house the C Rick house Charlie if you will stood the test of time it's made from huge limestone that are just probably found right there around our property and you just don't see buildings like that anymore we you know there's a lot of brick 
and steel and and tons of like modernized, if you will, rick houses that I feel like Woodford really preserved that very, very well. And of course, if you've not been in a while, we actually have a new sort of addition on the right-hand side that was an older building that we've also renovated. So there's more to the experience when you come back to visit us again. And I feel like we've really sort of developed both the new and the old together. I mean, Woodford for me is, you know, you talked about having that experience of being in college and it was that I'm going to spend the extra two or three dollars and get something really nice tonight and like really impress my friends. Right. It's the same thing that I, I mean, honestly, that's the same thing that I hear today. My daughter's 22. Her boyfriend, the first time I met him, he said, oh, that's my dad's bourbon. My dad really likes Woodford, but he doesn't let me drink the Woodford. You know, it's like, this is nice stuff. Um, whereas, you know, my brothers, when they come to visit, they've graduated to Double Oak because that's now even more premium than Woodford Reserve. So it's just, for me at least, Woodford is just an expression of like the first real super premium bourbon that sort of gravitates toward the old preservation of a beautiful old maturation warehouse and then old school methodologies. You know, our stills are like huge copper pot stills. There's three of them. So if you come into our facility, you can see everything from start to finish. Literally, you're going to see fermentation happening in huge open cypress fermenters. And so you smell all of the mash bill sort of cooking down. It smells like sour beer. You can taste actually the mash bill as well when you're when you're touring our facility. But then you go and you see the copper pot stills and you're actually watching distillation happen as well. And then you get to go into our maturation warehouse and you smell that beautiful sort of wood influence, that barrel influence. And especially if you're there in the summertime or the, the warmer months, you really get that huge impact of the whiskey moving in and out of that barrel. And it's just an overwhelming for me, like see it, touch it, feel it, smell it, taste it kind of experience that I don't think you get a lot of, a lot of other distilleries. I'm sure people are going to hate on me for saying this, but I feel like Woodford is the biggest gateway drug for a lot of people. There's the pappies out there. There's the B-tax. There's this whole other world of bourbon. And there's a lot of people that have just drank, you know, and forgive me for saying all these other brands on with people from Brown Foreman, but you might start off drinking Jim Beam White Label or Maker's Mark or Old Forester. Woodford is that gateway to like, all right, I'm going up to the next level. You start drinking that. Someone says, hey, have you had this single barrel? And then someone goes, what's a single barrel? And then it's, oh shit, you are now in the trap of... (laughs) bourbon and and this whole quote-unquote hobby that we all have well that's why you exist that's why you guys call yourselves like the bourbon geeks right you, you fell down that rabbit hole a long time ago so hey we're happy to be the gateway bourbon to bring you into that category and i think for me i don't mind being compared ever to competitive sets that's what we're here to do right we're here for you to see something that you're maybe familiar with that's a shelf down from Woodford and go, well, today I'm feeling like I might want to spend a little extra money and try something a little bit more prestige and clout and a little a little classier, if you will, a little more expensive. And I think the other thing that, that I don't mind you saying when you compare us to allocated whiskeys is we're not an allocated whiskey. We have allocated whiskeys in our portfolio. We have our master's collection release. Every year we do batch proof. We have something 
really special, which I want Megan to speak to in a moment. But, you know, Woodford Reserve, our distiller select bourbon is on the shelf every day. So that can be your, you call daily drinkers, $25.99, somewhere in that category. And we have whiskeys to meet that too. So I, I think being able to find Woodford at $39.99 and having that on your bar at home every day as your premium bourbon pour, we are perfectly fine with. Happy. Happy to be there. One of my favorite daily drinkers used to be a Brown Foreman product, but then y'all had to go and sell it. So we just won't even talk about it. I mean, there was a product a couple of years ago. I went to Angie. I'm like, this is the best daily drinker on the shelf and it's a leader. And then you guys went and sold it. Well, yeah. was it comfort? No, it was the ETBIB. And I love it too, guys. Hey, I mean, I still love it, but you know. <laughs> Just because you sold the brand, did you still keep the juice that was going in those bottles? And if so, where can I find that down there? <laughs> I can't speak to that. I wish I could. That's much above my pay grade. I would venture to guess what's in the bottle right now is our juice. So, oh, yeah. yeah. What's left for now, uh, stock up on for sure. That's right. It's just funny to hear people say they love that brand because that, that was like a college brand for so many I was a bartender and early times was the well pour. I remember Zeke found early times bottle and bond and he was so excited. He's like, man, this stuff's a liter. And it's only 23 99 and it's a whole liter. He's like, you got to try this stuff. And then I tried it. I'm like, shit, this stuff is really good. Well, that are the old yellow label too. I mean, I think people may have heard the name, but the fact the label was completely different, the, the visual aesthetics never really linked it in the mind to, oh, that's that stuff I tried that time when I was a kid and my dad had sitting around and I sprayed it all over the wall or something, you know? You know, Angie's right. Getting back to Woodford, I like the batch proof. What I like that y'all do is that experimental stuff. I think, Megan, you and I had talked about it. Like, I have the double-double oaked, and I mm -hmm. wish I had more of that. Chris is always cooking up some stuff. And I mean, what size? Is that a 375 that they come out in or... It's 375, but it's only sold at the distillery. And probably the number one question I get is, when is Double Double coming to the market? I'm like, well, if you want to drive to Kentucky, you can have it. I've got a few too, but I stock up when I go and they sell out so quickly. It's, I mean, Double Oaks is one of my go-tos as well. So the Double Double is awesome. What's your favorite? What do you look for in your whiskey? You know, it's funny, as you guys were talking earlier, like the Gateway, I was the worst drinker. I mean, when I was in even grad school, I was ruining my sister's good wine and putting in seven up and ice and I would drink bourbon and I would choke. I mean, I hated it. Now, like that's my drink of choice. Meat, rocks, bourbon, rocks. You just train yourself. And I feel like so many women, they don't know how to drink it. And not just women. I mean, a lot of men now too, but I had to experiment with different cocktails. So that's really how I started. So I love a good bourbon cocktail and that's what i miss most with covid is like going to a restaurant just ordering and trying all the different cocktails that these bartenders come up with but i would say double oak is my go-to on the rocks i mean i can drink stuff warm but i, I i'm a go-to like i need a cold drink and i like double oak on the rocks i like that it pairs well with desserts i'm a big like country and campfire girl so that's what i'm pouring to sit by the campfire it's sweet, but not too sweet. And that's what I love about it. It's got the good characteristics of Woodford, but the extra sweetness from the barrel. 
So Megan, Angie was saying before you have the batch collection, you have the master's collection. There's a whole bunch of stuff that Woodford has. I don't think it gets talked about enough. I think a lot of the stuff comes out and some people talk about it. Some people kind of flies under the radar that everybody kind of looks and goes like, what's this Woodford that's on the shelf? But I think you have one that's coming out this year. I certainly can't afford this one, but it's bound to turn some people's heads. You want to talk about what's coming down the line here? Yeah, I mean, you and me both. I can't afford it either. We need to talk to somebody about this. Do they give you a sample pour? I mean, be honest. I tried it because I worked in New York when we launched it globally and with our global travel retail outlets. And so we got to do a launch party at Baccarat Crystal. And so I got to try it with Elizabeth facing me on it. So I am lucky. However, since then, I'm like just calling our PR guy, calling the brand team. Where am I going to get this when this comes out? Um, but so I just, I guess I just gave it away by saying where we, where we tasted it. But this is our Baccarat edition. It's going to be in Baccarat Crystal. Um, it's been launched globally and in global travel retail outlets. Um, it will be coming in October. And it's, it's the Woodford Reserve Mash Bill, but it's aged in cognac barrels. And then... The glass bottle is a nice riff on our flask shape, but a little bit fancier um, and in the Baccarat crystal. And it's just beautiful. It's going to retail at $2,000. Yeah, $2,000. So above my pay grade. Um, but we should, well, let's all get together and try to ask some people and push some people if we can get something to sample. But um, yeah, it's, it's really exciting. Tennessee's going get to get some. So. Really, it's a great Christmas gift. If you want to I mean, I mean, get the proposal ring, like get a Baccarat bottle for, for the woman. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure our friend Prov in D.C. will end up with a few of them, but he has a much different clientele than we have friends. Yeah, Absolutely, he does. But the bottle, can we just talk about this? Is it made in a way like that it can be turned into a decanter after the fact. Cause I feel like if you're getting this Baccarat crystal that like, this is not a bottle you're going to drink and throw in the trash, right? Crystal. No, 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 no. I would say this would be a great, um, maybe an infinity bottle. I mean, if you've not seen the shape on it, it is designed on our flask, but it's much heavier, if you will, on the bottom, it just has a bigger sort of, presence a weightier presence to it. It, it it's just masculine and beautiful but it's not like a you know our old forester bottle like a decanter bottle it's it's literally based on the flask design so if you're an infinity bottle guy and i bet you guys are i would definitely think that would make a beautiful piece on your bike bar at home hey money bags you gonna get one broke i know you can't even mow your own lawn so both y'all I went and dropped some samples off at Zeke's place today. I walk in, his lawn's got to be like two feet tall. There's people that do it. I haven't reached out to him. I don't know what's going on. Maybe I need to write him a check. I don't know. I'm just saying, I got a guy. So maybe if you stop paying those people, you could afford a Woodford Reserve Baccarat. That'd be like a decade worth of yard mowing. (laughs) (laughs) So there's other stuff there that has come out recently. There's been a couple new SKUs that 2018... 
the malt came out and then now there's a wheat that is out as well do one of you want to tell us a little bit about these because you were nice enough this was the thing that i was driving up to zeke's house because angie and i are somewhat neighbors so she dropped the stuff off at my house i drove it up to zeke's house let's talk about these whiskeys a little bit and drink it sure let's do it um, yeah, I think it's pretty fun because um, Woodford now has every single expression of what is a legal straight whiskey for America. So we have a bourbon, we have a rye, we now have a wheat, and we have a malt. And then, of course, we have our extra matured expression, which is our double oaked. But yeah, I'm a big fan, honestly, a huge fan of our bourbon because of its complexity and its sort of multiple layers of flavors you know we talk about all the different kind of well 200 different things that you can find present in our bourbon which is extremely complex so you're talking about sweet aromatics you're talking about spice fruit and floral notes grain characteristics you know the influence of the barrel for maturation um and then we have well, nobody out there in the world of listening can and see this great flavor will but you can go online to woodford reserve and find our flavor will, and it will show you how all of these proponents sort of culminate into our bourbon, which makes it a really delicious bourbon. But when you change something like our mash bill, which we do here, obviously, with the wheat and the malt, you really tamp down some of the spice notes that you get because we're lowering the mash bill with our rye, and we're increasing the mash bill with the malt and the malt whiskey and obviously the wheat being like wheat predominant because you have to be at least 51% wheat to be a wheat whiskey in America. And um, I think for me with wheat, it was a totally new expression because I've tasted tons of wheated bourbons, but I've never had a whiskey like this. So for me, I think of like wheat berry breads. It really is that more fruit forward sort of rose petal, um, delicate, crisp, beautiful expression of whiskey that I really enjoy in a cocktail. So, you know, something that we do in the summertime is still drink bourbon in my house. And this wheat whiskey has actually come in very handy when it comes to having like crisp citrus and fruit driven cocktails and still letting the whiskey come through. So this has all four of our grains involved here so wheat being the predominant player with a little bit of rye you still have malted barley you still have corn but you don't have that huge spice component and you don't have that huge barrel component here it's just really more light floral fruity crisp i know it's non-age stated but are you able to say how old ish so as far as an age statement we don't put anything on the bottle we're between four and six years old but everything really is determined upon taste so as you know, it's a small batch whiskey. We're literally tasting the whiskeys and we determine when they're ripe and ready to be put into the bottle. Zeke, what do you think about this wheat whiskey? I guess be opposite and ask a question before I do notes, just so I don't forget it. Tasting it, uh, I definitely agree on a lot of the levels and it popped into my head. That's why I didn't want to forget this. Uh, being a, you know, obviously at least wheat being the most dominant grain in this, most will tell you that, you know, wheat imparts less flavor as far as you concerning grains, but also facilitates more of the barrel being integral in the flavors. So I wondered if the char on this was lighter, because definitely, as you said, you know, toward the back end where there's there's not the heat, there's not the really presence of oak. 
but obviously it has good color. It's been in oak for some time at least. I just wondered if the, the char or toasting was lighter because if the wheat's facilitating more of an oak presence, but that doesn't transfer to the flavor, I think that's kind of novel almost. Yeah, actually, all of our barrel aging here is exactly the same across the board, except for double oak. So every single one of our whiskey expressions has the same exact toast, the same exact char. Now, that doesn't mean that maturation is not a key factor here, because it could very well be where we're aging this whiskey in the rickhouse. It might be in a cooler spot where it's not actually having as much influence from heat, sunlight, you know, loss to angel share. But I think you still get the delicate notes of this whiskey. And that also just comes down to the fine tuning of Chris and Elizabeth and finding the right way to not overage this whiskey and still allow the delicate feminine notes to come through. So do you guys leave all the barrels or are they rotated or heat cycled or however you want to call it? No, we don't rotate barrels. We do heat cycle and we're very proud of that because we feel like it really over matures our whiskey. I mean, sometimes as much as twice is what you might normally get out of just regular seasonal aging. And we've done that for a number of years and across the board with most of our brands. So, you know, once that barrel goes into place, it's going to sit there for its entire lifetime. If you go into the Rick House during our tour, you go into the Charlie Rick House, you'll notice if you've ever taken a picture in there, all the barrels have the, the label upright and perfect for the picture. So it's kind of cool when they roll them in, they put them at a certain place on the ground, like a clock and roll them in. They all end up exactly where they're supposed to be in that symmetrical line. And they stay there for their whole lives. You, um, distilleries that do the heat cycled warehouses, which is, it's awesome. You were talking about the bourbon trail earlier. You know, we're actually the oldest and smallest distillery that, that's been there because Elijah Pepper started in 1812. And so that's kind of a really cool piece of history. But then also the point that we're one of the only that he cycled the warehouse, which makes for a good matured bourbon with, with great flavor. I'm just waiting because I know Zeke was going to talk about what he actually thought about it. Oh, yeah. So the weeder. Uh, real quick notes I got out of this. I thought the nose reminded me of red velvet cake with like a confectiony sugar icing. I mean, just like homemade, like legit, you know, like you can just tell the difference when you smell it. Palette wise, light warmth, reminded me kind of um, like cherry wood chips like you'd use for smoking meat or something. I thought the back end was drying, but it had a little of an oak taste, which is kind of like a, you know, a pseudo oak almost. And most people will want that drying to a degree just because... The natural reflex of the body is to, well, if it's dry and I want to drink more, well, good for business. <laughs> um, it also kind of had like a malty fizzy component on the very back end finish, kind of like a, you know, a Whopper once the chocolate's gone, if you let it sit in your mouth long enough for those little balls, they're called Whoppers. It is Whoppers, the malt, chocolate malt balls. Yeah, bud. Yeah, it's not my favorite candy, but, you know, it'll do in a pinch. You wouldn't turn them down. I mean, I'm not going to turn down much. No days off. No days out. I haven't had candy in two months and I haven't had soda in two months. I would agree with 99.9% of your assessment, except instead of red velvet cake, I got strawberry cake. That's what I got on the nose. It was more of a strawberry cake. And then the rest, I, I agree with you. Not to phone it in and not say my stuff, but I thought it was a very fair assessment. I think the the taste is very fruit forward, which is interesting for a weeder that you get that fruit first. I totally agree with your assessment on the finish where 
It, it's got that hint of oak and malt and it's drying, not in a bad way drying. You get the effects, but without hardly any notes of the taste, which I would think especially, you know, at the, at the proof and I would imagine the, the market for where these products are really going to hit the best are, are people that don't want a big, heavy oak component by any means, unless for some reason they're going to completely balance it out in whatever cocktail they're making, which not to say they couldn't do, but as far as, you know, kind of a neutral ability while also having the physiological effects on the palate and the back of the throat and the mouth, I, I think it, it does a weird uh, kind of Houdini move almost. So the thing that I think that's interesting about the wheat is that it's not so heavy on the flavor that it's like it still kind of keeps that Woodford identity of being an easy drinker. I know wheat is a hard thing to dial in, especially at four to six years. You think a lot of weeders are going to take six to eight years to really get to that point. I find that a lot of weeders that before they get to six years don't have have flavor it's like what's your assessment on this weeded whiskey i'm like oh probably needs a couple years before that flavor comes out this has a whole bunch of flavor for a a straight whiskey that's non-age stated i think the proof kind of puts it at a place that's an easy sipper uh you know we did kind of talk about that already but i it keeps with the brand aesthetic and is what i would expect from a weeded whiskey from woodford reserve yeah for sure i love it it's actually my favorite summertime drink right now. I'm loving it. I also have to throw in there for our boy Scotty in uh, Charleston. He really wants a cash strength Woodford Wheater. He's been chatting about this for a while. I just got to throw it out there for him so uh, he won't bitch at me later. We'll have to put in a good word with Chris. So let's talk about the Woodford that I know Zeke is going to hate. And let's talk about this malted Woodford. We're not going to like every single expression that every single distillery puts out. I think Zeke is going to hate this before we even start talking about it because the way that this malt is, this is not a malt like when Chattanooga says they're going to do a malt or like Stranahan says they're going to do a malt or some other American distillery says they're going to do a malt. This is a malt that's similar to Westland whiskey in the Northwest, but very, very similar to a scotch profile. I have to say that this particular whiskey lends itself beautifully to history. So think about our master distiller, Chris Morris, who spent his entire life working for Brown Foreman, his father, his mother, his aunt, all these people before him. He is a historian and a lover of all things that have happened in our country. So when you look at the overall category of American whiskey and you go back to pre-prohibition mash bills, this is very indicative of what a malt whiskey should have tasted like before prohibition. This is not a new aged you know, and I love the guys over at Chattanooga. Don't get me wrong. Huge fan of them. I love their high malts. I think they're really innovative, but they are innovative. They're not historically accurate mash bills. So this is going to liken back to more like an old world whiskey. And that's really where we got our start in the United States, right? We we didn't start off knowing we were going to make bourbon or rye. We really had these, you know, Irish and Scottish settlers coming into America and they were using grains that were easy to find, easy to grow. And of course, it's going to sort of remind you of an old world whiskey because that's where America got its start was with that influence. So 
Yeah, I want Zeke to take this away because I'm really interested to know what it is that he doesn't like about American malt whiskeys. Zeke? Well, to be on the spot here. He just doesn't like scotch, period. Like anything that even has a hint of scotch, he doesn't like. I will throw out, though, I don't get any correlation to scotch here at all. I really don't. Me neither. He's trying to stir the pot a little bit here, I think, Zeke. That's right. I got to stir and I'm going to use on him later. So I I had this back when it first came out. I remember uh, Justin... When he was still at Carruthers, like called me, he's like, "Hey man, there's this new malt product out. I know you're pretty big on malt, malted kind of stuff most of the time, as far as American whiskeys go." So I swing by, get a bottle. You know, he and I crack it and try it. We both kind of look at each other, like, "This just is not what either." I mean, both of us had that look of like, "That what you're expecting?" Because it's not what I'm expecting. He's like, "And you know, we both just like, no, not at all." I will say inversely, this isn't quite that profile that I remember from that either. It's not as, I guess, kind of off-putting to me as that batch was, which, I mean, they're batches. Obviously, there's going to be variances and whatnot. I, I think the biggest takeaway I had on this was I, I didn't get a ton in any direction as far as nose or palate. For notes, all I really got down for the nose was kind of like remind me of a Kit Kat to a little bit of degree. And palate, I just thought it was thin. There was a flash of malt, and then the back end finish was just a little bit of char, and it wasn't so much it was off-putting, but I guess my deductive reasoning that, w- that would be there when anytime I've had anything else that that little bit was kind of left of a profile to me, I felt like there was just too much water put in it because the more water that goes in, if you only have one note left and it's a kind of a char or just a, a bitter oaky finish, it's just the water scale got tipped too far, and that's where you lost all your aromatics and your sugars. And that flavor will hang around longer than anything else. That was kind of my takeaway from it. It's interesting because with these two expressions, I've talked to so many people and really people go one way or the other. I find some people that like both, but there are some people that are like, where can I get the wheat? I cannot have enough of the wheat. And then there's others that's like, the malt, I need that malt. So it's funny that it, it goes that way. I think the best thing about all of our expressions that Chris does is, He plays with all the different grains and the history, like Angie said, but he doesn't go too far. And I think that's what makes us unique is that I'm not a rye person, for example, right? So I do not love rye by any means. I don't like spicy. And so when he made our rye, he only did 53% rye, whereas most ryes are 80, 90%. It's really the same thing with malt and wheat. With the malt, it's only 51% malt. It's not 80% malt. With wheat, it's 52% wheat. It's, he never goes too far one way because we're such a balanced bourbon across the board. And so it's just funny to see what everybody's reactions are because none of them are too far. It's just really what you like and what your taste is. And it, it's just so interesting to see because I really get, especially with the malt and wheat, it's one way or the other. It's crazy. That's why I think it's so much fun to have all the expressions under one family, literally to be able to taste an American bourbon, an American rye, an American wheat, an American malt, an extra matured whiskey, and sort of figure out what your comfort level is and where your palate lies. Because some of these expressions to me really lean themselves more for my palate toward like a cocktail expression. So Megan said, hey, I'm not a big rye drinker. I'm not a big rye drinker either, but give me a rye Manhattan. I'm all about it. I absolutely adore it. You know, when I first fell backwards into this beautiful job that I now have, I wasn't super comfortable drinking 100 proof whiskeys, where now I drink an 80 proof whiskey. And I'm like, what happened? Like, where did my whiskey go? Because somebody put water in it and I don't I don't get it anymore. But yeah, there's there's something for everybody. And I think 
the thing that makes Woodford so special is that there's a way to draw somebody in. So maybe you're not a bourbon drinker. Maybe you're more a, you know, an Irish drinker or a Scotch drinker or an old world whiskey or a Canadian drinker. And I think some of these lighter expressions really can sort of reach across that bridge and draw somebody into an American whiskey category that's really new and exciting yet old and historic that nobody does anymore. That's awesome. I, I like the malt. Well, it's kind of interesting because on paper, you know, it's not old, but it's also not too far young. It's kind of that, you know, four to six middle scale. Well, generally most products across the board, not even Woodford, but just anyone that has a, a wheat dominant, uh, you know, skew or, or bottling, the wheat always seems to take the longest to really get the flavors as far as the aromatics, the sugars, et cetera, that you're looking for. Whereas inversely, I, I mean, plenty of folks put out a young, you know, malted grain heavy, you know, mash bill product at two and three years that has a, a lot of flavor bouncing off of it. So that, I think like that's what I'm laughing about because on paper, you said, all right, well, these are the same age, age in the same place, barrel the same, everything else, all things considered. Which one are you going to expect to have more of a, a noticeable and unique profile to it? I wouldn't have picked the wheat. Yeah, I think you also have to think about the actual malting process of the barley. So how much toasting are you doing here of, of the malted barley as well? Like, are you, you know, you can toast these barleys so much so that before you even ferment and distill them, you're already picking up these kind of coffee toffee caramel characteristics. Mm -hmm. um, and you can really influence everything above and beyond that. So if you're looking at a more, I guess, approachable side of things and you're not toasting that barley above and beyond germination, you're really showing more of just that grain characteristic. Mm -hmm. So for me, this is more like, and I like in everything that I taste with things that I eat. So you'll have to forgive me if this sounds really childish, but I, this reminds me of granola. I mean, eating like a handful of grape nuts. And I like that. It's a very pleasant, almost like familiar, comforting sort of grain forward flavor for me. And no, I'm not going to put that into a Manhattan. I'm not going to ask that to stand up to a bittering agent in a cocktail or an Amaro or anything along those lines. This is this is a nice little sort of end of the meal sipper for me, you know, more of a contemplative, great little dessert kind of sipper. No, I think it's more on the head. And, uh, I, we, we love food uh, related notes here. It, it's much better than some random spice or, or way off the wall, something that I don't know what that is. I don't have that. In my <laughs> great nuts. We all ate it when we were kids, right? Like, did your dad ever make you eat great meat? Like, this is healthy cereal. Where's the Lucky Charms? I want, I want marshmallows. I want to eat this stuff. But it does. It reminds me of that a lot. But I also still get, like, the dessert qualities and that whiskey, too. I get the brown butter notes. I get that sort of dusted cocoa powder, um, again, over, like, a toasted almond. So it hits a lot of, like, comfort notes for me. And I think I think in the wintertime, if you're sitting outside with a fire pit and you got a nice cigar and good book you might learn to love that whiskey a little bit well we'll give zeke some more time i know that obviously with things the way they are and bars not necessarily being open you guys have had to change your game around a little bit you want to talk you know before we close out just what things have you been up to what are you doing as a brand to kind of reach out to people since we're all social distancing at home it's been weird 
especially because my life has been on the road normally and going to events and coming to see Angie in Nashville and, you know, doing some fun stuff. It's been weird. At first, we didn't know what to do. And this is going to end in a few months. So, you know, we'll just have you up on social media. Well, then it got to the point. Now we're planning the Kentucky Derby from home versus Kentucky Derby parties. So it's definitely interesting. It's been, um, it's made us think creatively for sure. You know, we're definitely reaching different people on digital and social, reaching out to influencers more, which I think in this day and age, that's what people are looking at because there's nothing else to do. I also thought that Pinterest wasn't a thing anymore, but apparently that's having a big boom. So we're, we're advertising on Pinterest because everybody's getting inspired because they're home and want to make their own cocktails. I'm the worst bartender ever. So I have just like, I'm learning how to bartend from home. It's like two or three ingredients and that's it. And I'm, I'm figuring that out. So we're, we're trying to help people like me who can't bartend. It's been interesting, you know, in Georgia and Tennessee, we're slightly open. So we're doing some very small, intimate dinners, social distance, trying to figure things out. But derbying from home will be fun. There's a lot of um, things we're doing online of how you can drink from home and order. Like you were saying earlier, you can order product to be delivered to your house and order some mint julep syrup from Bourbon Barrel Foods and watch the race and bet with friends and it's also kind of fun that it's on Labor Day this weekend. I mean, instead of cooking a southern fried chicken sandwich, we're going to grill hamburgers and hot dogs and drink bourbon. I mean, I'm pretty excited about that. So it looks different, but I think it's still going to be fun. Now, I should say I made a julep before we started with that bourbon barrel foods, simple syrup, mint julep sauce, and I finished it very quickly. It was... yes. Very good, nice and sweet. I even tried some variation. I put a little bit of maple syrup in there. Megan, I know you put some chocolate bitters in yours. So you could play with this stuff a little bit. I want everybody to know that we will put the the recipe out when we put stuff on social for this episode. So you'll get to see what goes in the Woodford official mint julep. I'll have to find some mint leaves and take a nice picture. I've got some for you, buddy. I'm your neighbor. Yeah, I, uh, you know, as an aside, I mean, I love going to the Derby, but but going to the Derby every year is just not feasible, because, especially not this year, because there's only like 25,000 fans allowed. So derbying at home is not new to me at all. And entertaining at home is not new to me. I love to have people over for, for parties. We put a TV in our kitchen, which, you know, my friend who's the interior designer was like, that is such a just a catastrophe. No one's going to pay attention to each other at the table anymore. I'm like, babe, that's what being at home around your family and friends is all about. You got to be able to have the sports on and you got to be able to have your Spotify music on when you're entertaining. I'm looking forward to having just a close little intimate group of family and friends over for the Derby and, and doing our little wagers. And I made a mocktail earlier today, which I sent you a picture of. And I like to have, you know, if you're going to have a Derby party, by all means, have a great, you know, Woodford cocktail, have your julep, have your spire, which is a new cocktail um, at Churchill Downs. I absolutely love it because it's great with the wheat. Actually, it's bourbon, lemonade, and then cranberry juice. I like to substitute palm because it's a little more crisp and like bright. But um, I also like to put out something really beautiful, colorful, aesthetically pleasing with all the same garnishes and accoutrements as a mocktail. So I made basically a mocktail julep tonight with the mint julep syrup 
and then some fresh lemon, some black tea with no sweetener, because obviously you have all the sweetener that you need and the julep syrup. And then I just garnished it and made it look pretty. And it's in a picture and it's there for people who are coming over to your party that are the designated driver. Or if you've got somebody who's expecting and they still want to have a nice, pretty girly drink or just, hey, I'm on a health kick and I'm not having any alcohol or sugar or anything, you know any fried foods, and I can still go to a party and have something yummy, then that's what I like to provide for my guests. And um, I encourage you guys to do so as well. Pretty drinks and non-alcoholic drinks can still be a fun thing. Well, on that note of encouragement, I did have a note from earlier that I uh, told John I would get back to. And so I, I want to fulfill that and not let him down. What is at least uh, one simple cocktail you would recommend for non-mixologist types, like at least me and I'm pretty sure Edward's over there? I mean, I'm a big proponent of the BLT, bourbon lemon tonic. It's easy. You got tonic water at home. You got lemon. There's probably four or five of them in your fridge that you need to use up. It's delicious. And I do like a high proof bourbon with that because I want the bourbon to punch through all the quinine bitterness and the tartness of the lemon. But um, I mean, man, you can make a great, a great Manhattan or a great old fashioned with a lot of the products that we have. We talked about our chocolate bitters. So just having a couple of Decent bottles of bitters on hand makes for a really easy cocktail. And soda water is your best friend. I mean, honestly, in the summertime, bourbon, soda, throw some bitters in there. Throw whatever kind of like fruit you've got, right? Because it's peaches season. It's blackberry season. I've got mint growing outside and rosemary and thyme. So taking all those things together and it sounds complicated, but really it's not. Probably have a muddler somewhere in your kitchen. You just take your herbs and your fruit. And you put them in the bottom of a glass, smush that all together, and then put your whiskey on top of it, give it a good stir, put some ice in it, top it with soda water, and you've now got a whiskey smash, which is delicious. Is the basic bartender here. Uh, I'm, I've got this down now. Uh, Woodford soda water and orange peel. I don't have, I don't own a muddler. What's a muddler? I just squeeze my orange and, you know, I got it in there. It's, it's good. And then the mint julep syrup, soda water, Woodford, done. And then finally, um, easy. They call it the, I think in Kentucky, they call it the horse bite or horse neck bite. But it's just, it's horse a horse neck. Horse neck, yeah. It's a Kentucky mule. So Woodford and ginger beer. I mean, so easy and so yummy. One of my favorites as well. Before we, we finish up, you know, just because you guys are going to do derby at home, Want to let you know some of the favorites right now. Tis the Law, Art Collector, King Guillermo, Honor AP. Just if you want some some horses that are out there, Tis the Law comes out of a Tis now. It, the trainer is Barkley Tag. He's a very good trainer. You know, Art Collector is Joe Sharp. There's some interesting new people coming out of here, but uh, Art Collector came out of Bernardini, which was a very famous horse in the past. King Guillermo comes out of Uncle Mo and Slow Sand. Juan Carlos Avia is the trainer. And then uh, you have Honor AP, which comes out of Honor Code and Hollywood Story. John Sheriffs is the trainer on that one. So, you know, I would think just knowing what Tis Law is coming out at four to five, just came off of the Belmont Stakes win. Just want to throw some derby stuff in there just because of everything that's going on. Dr. Post and Todd Pletcher, thousand words from Bob Baffert. You're always going to see them 
being in the conversation at some point. I like pneumatic out of, uh, you know, Steve Asperson is the trainer, but it's also out of uncle Mo. So there's two horses. I think I saw another horse in here from uncle Mo. Yeah, that is Caraco. And that's Gustavo Delgado is the trainer on that one. I put Zeke to sleep. He literally closed his eyes because we're talking about horse racing here. But anybody that's, that's driving, if they hear that, they're going to run off the road. We're gonna, <laughs> where in hell we can use that. What I just have to say for a second, this is the problem when you get a Georgia boy on with a Kentucky boy because the people in Kentucky <laughs> that like bourbon i don't know what you dumbasses do down there but everybody in kentucky knows what i'm talking about right now betting and bourbon are like the best parts of the derby you just reminded me i need to do my research and figure out how to bet from georgia and what i'm gonna bet so yeah you can bet through churchill downs website they actually have a uh a a way to just go straight through the website and make wagers and i think they give you like a ten dollar credit if you set up an account with them which is pretty pretty you're already a winner there is no sponsorship here but go to twinspires.com that is the churchill downs official way to bet i Um, like it it has been an awesome night with y'all i know we have kept megan up past midnight i just want to say thank you thank you thank you hope to do one of these with you again can't wait till we have events in person zeke is there anything you want to say to these two before i let them say goodbye not only thank you for your time, thank you for the uh, the generous juice donations. Uh, they'll, they'll be put to good use, I promise. You're very welcome. I enjoyed it so much, guys. I really enjoyed all the barware. I mean, Angie hooked it up, so... <laughs> it's all about the spoon. Zeke is very obsessed with that spoon. It's going to get him. <laughs> I think you're supposed to use that to, like, stab a cherry, not a person in the eye. I'm not really sure. <laughs> No, he wants to stab me in the butt. But so we absolutely will put that whiskey to good use. Angie, Megan, thank you both so much for joining. Anything you want to say to everyone before we get off here? Megan, thanks for having us. Happy Derby season, y'all. And uh, hope to see you soon. Cheers. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I want to let everybody know that they can go to premiumbarproducts.com and get the official Dad's Drinking Bourbon Glencairn glass. If you go there, you can also personalize your own laser etch glassware. So if you want to get something like Georgia Boys Don't Know Shit About Horse Racing, you can put that on a glass. You actually can do that. You could say something like Zeke's stash is dirty. You could put that on a glass. Whatever you want to do, you could go to premiumbarproducts.com and actually do it. They also have awesome barware there. You want to mix up cocktails like this. You want to mix up a Kentucky Mule. You want to mix up a BLT. You want to mix up a mint julep. You can go to premiumbarproducts.com, get shakers. You can get a spoon without a trident on the end, which is unlike the, the one that Angie gave us. They have bar spoons there. They have all sorts of stuff there at premiumbarproducts.com. Go ahead and check them out. If you are a distillery or you are a store owner or you're in a whiskey group and you want to do more of a wholesale order, please reach out to me. I'll get you in touch with Carson and Janie and Vicky and all the good folks over there. And you can actually get some wholesale pricing, put some logos on there. I know a whole bunch of distilleries in Middle Tennessee use them. 
So reach out to me for info at premiumbarproducts.com. Zeke, the folks can find us on Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. You can find us wherever you download your podcast. Chances are you already have because you're listening to us right now. Please leave us an open and honest review like we leave open and honest reviews about the whiskey we drink. Where else can the folks find us, my friend? Still hanging out in good old Music City, USA. And a huge thanks to Angie and Megan. Thank you so much again. Cheers. Ciao.